Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. All right, so speaking of uh, the Holy Spirit and hearing the Holy Spirit, I'm so grateful for a church where our pastors hear from the Holy Spirit, Pastor Jurgen and Leanne, Pastor John and Becky, that this is a house of transformation. And if you're new to Awaken, welcome. Uh, you will find that this church is different than a lot of other churches. And I have not been a Christian my entire life. I came to an intellectual acceptance of the gospel in 2005, had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that changed my life in 2010, went through a discipleship school, uh, and really got a lot of his word, but I didn't grow up in a traditional Christian environment. So I have limited exposure to church, but what I've seen and I've heard is this church operates in a different way than a lot of churches. Because on Sunday, you don't just get a bunch of information to file away for some day that may never come. That there are, there is absolutely solid biblical teaching empowered by the Holy Spirit, but it's practical and it's not just to be information, it's meant to lead to transformation. And we see transformed lives. My life has been unaccountably transformed of being in this church. And there's times where I'll get challenged by something that I'll hear because it's actually causing me to, asking me to do something. You know, and some people look for connect groups. They're like, we just want a nice Bible study. Can't we just have a prayer group and a Bible study? And our connect groups are different than that. There's frequently Bibles and prayer, but the purpose of connect is to connect. This church, more than any other place that I'm aware of, we go through the Bible in a year. So if you want to go through the Bible in a year, there are more people here probably per capita than there are in most churches that go through the Bible in a year. We have teaching around that. And then if you want an incredible prayer meeting, Tuesday mornings at 5.30 a.m. in every one of our campuses, we have men's prayer. So you can come. And here in the lobby, there's 200 guys. And they're not like weird super Spiro, like floating off the ground. And like, they're solid guys that are incredible husbands, fathers, bosses in the marketplace. And you can come on Thursday and you have your choice of coming to early cherished women's prayer or slightly later cherished women's prayer in the morning. And you'll find all of these women gathering and praying together. But Sunday isn't just a place where you're going to get a bunch of information to check the box and file away. It's a place where you're going to get challenged. And that was something that was challenging to me when I first came here because God gave me a gift to teach. So all of my life, he's been like, give me information. I go teach information. More information, teach information. But the problem is if you're teaching something that you're not practicing, it's not really all that practical. And there was a message called Vision Accomplished the second or third week that I was here that Pastor John preached, and it's a great message. But it was a call to transformation, a call to action, and I was offended. So instead of receiving, I was just like, well, Pastor Becky is such a great preacher. They probably came as a pair.
I kid you not, inner workings of Pastor Morgan's mind, all of that has been corrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. I love Pastor John. I'm so grateful for you and, uh, and everything, both as a friend, as a leader, as a spiritual father, you are amazing. But just to preface that with that. So anyway, I didn't grow up as a Christian, but I heard a story this past week while I was up at Hume Lake. How many of you guys know the story of Ira and Ann Yates? Anybody? Anybody? They were a Texas ranching family. Ira had a huge heart to want to be a rancher in Texas. Problem was, he sucked at ranching. He was not a good rancher. He had two ranches. Both of them failed. The animals died. The ranches went belly up. They were seized by the government. But he was an entrepreneur. So in the early 1900s, he started a general store, and that general store uh, started producing about $5,000 a month in revenue, which at the time was a lot of money. He was doing great. He could have stopped there, but he wanted to ranch. So they were living in West Texas, west of the Pecos River, which is like desert. It is not a good place to raise cattle. But he wanted to be a cattle rancher in West Texas, and God bless him. There was a guy that came into his store and offered to trade him a piece of land that was about 16,000 acres so he could have a ranch and trade him for his successful store. But what he didn't know was the ranch had a lien against it for $20,000, and that there was a strip of land down the middle that the surveyors had just accidentally forgot to write down in their surveying, so there was a 3,600-acre parcel in the middle of his ranch that also needed to be bought for him to farm the land. So he spent all of his savings and then took out a mortgage to pay for that 3,600-acre parcel and then bought some cows and all of them were starving because it's not a good place to farm cows. <laughs> and there was a saying that there is no oil west of the Pecos. But there was an oil man, a young oil man that came and he met the Yateses and he said, hey, would you allow me to drill on your property? And Ira and Ann, they laughed at this guy and said, don't you know, everybody knows there's no oil west of the Pecos. But nevertheless, he drilled and he struck oil. And he didn't just strike oil, he struck the largest oil deposit in North America, one of the largest oil deposits in the entire world. When they struck oil, they also struck natural gas. There was so much natural gas in that that there was a gusher that actually flowed so much oil that it filled up a canyon. And since they started getting oil out of that property, there have been billions upon billions of barrels that have been extracted from that land. And it struck me that this is a really good illustration of how a lot of Christians live. Ira and Anne were living in poverty. They were getting assistance from the government. They were about to have their house foreclosed on. Their animals are dying. They're eating scraps. But they were billionaires because of what was below the surface of their property. The oil didn't like 
suddenly come to exist as soon as they drilled for it. It had been there all along. They got it the moment that they signed the deed for the property. It was already theirs. But because of their unbelief, they're living these impoverished lives. Believing that was as good as it gets. Believing that the lie that there was no oil west of the Pecos. And I realized that that's how a lot of Christians that I've personally met in my walk with God, they live that way. They have information that may have not been fully digested. And they're going through life in poverty when in fact they have the richness of heaven that they have an, an inheritance not just for the future but for now with the power and authority of God living inside of them that they are seated in Christ in all of the heavenly places that all of the authority that Christ carries because of their relationship with him, their relationship with the Father has been restored and they are seated in Christ at the right hand of the Father in all of the heavenly places, that they have the authority to trample on serpents, to overcome the devil, to push back the darkness, but they're leading scraps. Their animals are dying and there is no life coming out of their lives. That is not this church. This is a spirit-filled church. When we receive Christ, we also receive his spirit. And his spirit empowers us to live empowered lives. And it's amazing to me. I've heard so many times, oh, you go to Awaken. That's where all the beautiful rich people go. Now, let me tell you something about being rich and beautiful, that it's a sign of health. It's a sign of life. What do you want to go to the church where all of the disfigured, sullen-faced, poor people go? That's crazy. But it's not like people come to awaken because they expect that there's going to be an immediate deposit in their bank account so they can just live life the way they want to. You come in here, you get connected, you get challenged, you get grown, you get filled with the spirit, then all of a sudden you return to health. And in that health, your face, it's no longer your face is smiling and you're beautiful and you start to be fruitful in every way that you're supposed to be fruitful. God did not want us to live lame, hobbling through life like the Yeats's were before they struck oil. He wants us to live full, beautiful, vibrant lives. Amen? All right, so come with me in your Bible to the book of Ephesians. Uh, chapter 1, verse 3. We're going to whip through some scripture, but I want you to get an idea of what it means to be Christian. What it actually means to walk in authority and to walk in power. So Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. 
In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purported in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which are in heaven and which are on earth, in him. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you are you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom having believed you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him in the eyes of your understanding will be enlightened that you may know what the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in all of the heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave to him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. And you, he made alive who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we were all once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, filling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were, were by nature children of, of wrath, just as the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show you the exceeding riches of his grace in his kingdom towards us in Christ Jesus." By grace, you've been saved through faith. And we are seated in Christ 180 times in the New Testament, 143 times just in Paul's letters, he uses the words in Christ. What it means to be in Christ is that it's no longer us that are living our own lives on our own strength, but we have been given a covering which has restored our relationship with God the Father, has covered us so that when God sees us, he doesn't see saved sinners. He sees saints 
full, walking in full authority, in full strength, in full righteousness. And it's not something that we need to do on our own. In fact, we can't. And there are some Christians who have somehow believed that because Christ saved them and they have gone through the honeymoon period where you come into church and you hear a message that's so hopeful and are thinking, gosh, I'm so filled with shame. Could I ever believe, could I ever dare believe that he's taken all my shame on the cross, that he took it on himself so that I could live free? Oh my gosh, I, have, I didn't believe that it was possible to feel this free and now I feel this free and I have all of this hope but then something gets in the way and instead of walking in freedom you find yourself walking back into bondage and then you read like Romans 8 this exhortation to live a spirit-filled life and to walk with power and don't go back to those things. And you read stories of Christ healing people and then saying, go and sin no more. But because shame has crept back in, instead of thinking that Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I've broken the chains of death and sin over your life. You are actually free to go and you don't have to be slaves to what you were once enslaved to ever again. You are actually free to go and sin no more. This isn't condemnation. This is a proclamation of the power and authority that you walk in. Where you were a slave, slaves are owned. You are no longer owned for the one that was owned died. And through baptism, we are resurrected in Christ. We're not a slave to anybody or anything unless we choose to be. And there are people that try to live the Romans 8 life on their own strength. And that is not the way it's supposed to work. When we receive Christ, we receive his spirit. And when we receive his spirit, we receive his authority and we receive his power. And we are actually fine that we can start to live out a life that seemed impossible to us before. But if you don't walk according to the spirit, if you've got all of this richness as your inheritance just below the surface, but you never stir it up or even test it out to find out that you are actually rich, you will continue to live these lame lives, chaining yourself to things, even though the chains are broken, you still believe that you belong to this former life. And maybe you inherited thoughts from your family line or there were generational sins like me that came through and you thought, well, I've always thought this way. It's just who I am. The thing that's so shocking to me about the Bible, when I started to read the Bible, I was like, I'm not alone in this. Everybody has these same thoughts and they think that it's just them, but it's not. It's the sin that lives inside of us that was passed through generationally and it may have been there so long that the voice of the enemy just starts to sound like our own voice because it's the only one that we've been listening to. And then we don't find freedom. We're just like, oh, well, I, I guess I'm glad that I'll be with God eventually, but this life's just gonna be suffering. It doesn't have to be that way. 
And I want to tell you that I experienced that in my life when I started coming to this church and I got connected, that I started seeing people that had lived out God's promises in spirit-filled lives. And some of those things were very challenging to me who had lived very differently. That I didn't grow up in the church. I grew up in the world and I was a slave to every type of sin imaginable. And I didn't believe that some of those things were escapable because I would do good for like a little bit and then I'd find myself going back to the thing that I was trying to escape from. And if you try to live the Romans 8 life on your own strength, you will end up in Romans 7. And for those of you who have not read Romans 7, I'll give you a little synopsis. And I would suggest that everybody reads it because, hey, it's in the Bible. But also, it's so amazing to me that Paul, who wrote a good, the largest portion of the New Testament, suffered in the same way that I do. He said, I don't get it. I try to do good. But I find myself doing evil. I want to do all of these good things, but then I find myself doing all of these things that I don't want to do. But if I want to do good by my inward man, I know that it's no longer me that does these things, but sin that dwells within me. But I I, I don't know what to do because every time I try to do good, here's this sin pulling me back into evil that I don't wish to do. Who is going to deliver me from this? Thank God for Jesus Christ. And it's by his spirit that we're able to live these things out. If you're trying to do it on your own, if you've gone through that honeymoon period, if you've come forward to the altar more times than you could possibly count, and you think, I can't go up there one more time because now I'm leading a connect group or I'm serving in a ministry and if they see me up there, they're gonna know that I'm backslidden and I just can't do it one more time so I'm just gonna have to figure this out. I can do it, I can do it. If I just get it together, I can do it and then I won't have to go to the altar and then nobody will know and I'll be fine because, right? That's the way it works. That's the way the Christian life works that you just, you just and that's not how it works at all. It's only by the spirit that we're able to overcome anything. And if you're trying to do it yourself, you're doing it wrong. And if you're hiding, which by the way is always happens when we're in sin, it's like the very first sin that ever happened in the Bible. Adam and Eve sinned, and what did they do? They hid. Typically, we'll fall into a sin pattern and then think, gosh, I can't go to church. Those people will know that I'm They'll just see it on me. You need to be in community. God said it's not good that man should be alone. And if you don't allow yourself to get known and in being known, realizing that you're loved and you're not just loved in some superficial way that we actually want you. And out of knowing that you are loved despite your flaws. That actually... I don't know about any of you, but I have never fallen in love with somebody who I thought was perfect. Anybody? Only Jesus. But no other human have I ever thought, gosh, that guy is so perfect, or that girl is so perfect. I just love them. It's always, I'll hear some of their story, and I'll realize, oh my gosh, 
They were broken just like me. But somehow God came into their life and transformed them. God, I'm grateful that I don't have to carry this burden that's been crushing me. I feel like I can breathe a little easier when I'm around them. I want to be around them. That's what loving somebody feels like. And it's usually connecting with their past and realizing that they are no longer bound to that past, but they actually have a future. And because God is no respecter of man's, because in every testimony is the spirit of prophecy, because it happened for them, it can also happen for me that I can trust that and I can start to live that out. God, I want to be around those people. And our church is fresh, real, and powerful, but it starts in Connect. If you are not connected, if you're hiding, if you're just checking the box because, well, it's Sunday and I'm Christian, I should probably be at church. And meanwhile, going through life, you don't have to do it. You don't have to do it. So anyway, uh, my message title has been up on the screen for a while, so you've probably gotten that my message is called Transformed by Identity. (laughs) And when you have a new identity, you start to have a new trajectory. And I had to start to dare to believe some of the things that the Bible said were true about me. I had been a slave to all kinds of addictions. I'd been a slave to drug addiction, to sex addiction, to porn addiction, to all kinds of I had an eating disorder, an obsession with healthy eating called orthorexia, which is really extreme, but I'm like 6'3 and weigh about 180 pounds right now, but I was 6'3 and weighed almost 145 pounds, give or take, and thought that I was living the healthiest life on the planet and wondering why my hair was falling out at like 33 years old and I couldn't remember a friggin' thing because I was missing B12, which is the glue, by the way, that holds your brain together, which is really hard to get if you're on a vegan diet, just saying. And, uh, (laughs) but I was a raw food vegan. I literally only ate things that had not been prepared above 115 degrees and I thought in my mind that I was like the healthiest thing ever and one day it would all come together but it wasn't coming together it was like but I thought I needed to work out my own salvation I needed to work out everything on my own strength and it was literally killing me my doctor said if I don't eat meat that I'm going to die and that was hard because my highest authority was what made sense to me so I had placed my intellect above anything anybody could have told me. And if you're living that way like I was, gosh, it's tough. Because sometimes you're really wrong. And if you're super attached to your position, then you'll end up like quasimodoing it through life, hoping that somehow, you know, it's like the, the being an in, in intellectual is worshiping the wisdom of man. And that's what I would do. I would worship the wisdom of man and then I would take, like cherry pick truths from spiritual books without application, thinking that if I just gathered this information, somehow it was going to transform my life and it didn't. But God intervened. And I want to tell you that there are some things that the spirit does in us that we could not do for ourselves. And I just picked 12 of them to encourage you, especially if you've been the guy. 
So the Spirit regenerates us and causes us to be born again. John 3, 1 through 8. The Spirit leads us into a deeper knowledge of Christ. Ephesians 1, 16 through 18. The Spirit guides us into the truth. John 16, 13 through 15. The Spirit empowers us to be witnesses for Christ. Acts 1, 8. The Spirit produces His fruit in our lives. Galatians 5, 22 through 23. The Spirit gives us victory over the flesh. Romans 8, 1 through 17. The Spirit helps us pray, Romans 8, 26 and 27. The Spirit gives us spiritual gifts, 1 Corinthians 12. The Spirit sets us free from being selfish, Galatians 5, 13 through 16. The Spirit transforms us to be more like Christ, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 through 18. The Spirit gives us a heart of worship, Ephesians 5, 18 through 20. And the Spirit makes us bold to speak God's word, Acts 4, 31. The Spirit is the one who empowers us, and there are churches that try to keep the Holy Spirit out. God knows why, maybe because their pastors just like the sound of their own voice and get scared when God actually moves, I don't know, but maybe. (laughs) And then there are some churches that are just grace, 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 that want the Son, but don't want the Father. Jesus said... Me and the Father are one. I can't do anything except for what I see my Father doing. That if you just think that Jesus is grace and he doesn't correct us through his, the power, by the power of his spirit to live changed lives, you're missing. Why would I just want to be lame but forgiven? It doesn't make any sense. God highlighted a word to me the other week. We were in worship when Pastor Jenny Gilpin was preaching, which by the way, if you haven't heard that message, please podcast it. But while we were in worship, Holy Spirit interrupted my worship experience with the verse Ezekiel 36, 26, which says, I will take your heart of stone out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh. And just said, look up the word stone. So I did. And in the Bible... There is uh, the word in Hebrew and in Aramaic. They use the same alphabet, if you guys aren't aware. The word for stone is eben. But there's a beautiful picture inside this word that it's a conjunction of two words. It's the word eb or av, which is where we get Abba, father, and the word ben, which is son, and in the middle, there's a word, the letter bay, which means together. And it completely changed the way I saw the scripture in Matthew 16, 15, where Peter received his new name. Jesus said to his disciples, the world thinks I'm all of these things, but who do you say I am? And Peter said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus said, flesh and blood could not have revealed this to you, only my Father in heaven. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. And then he says, I will call you Peter, which really would have been Eben, but the New Testament is translated from Greek, not from Hebrew, but the word is not Petros, which is Peter, it's Eben which is this connection of son and father. Jesus is saying, Peter, 
I see that the walking with me, learning from me, being around me in your heart, the relationship between son and father has been restored. And now instead of a flimsy reed, I call you a solid rock, a foundation where the Holy Spirit can land and I can build my church. And I saw this and it just brought me to tears. I had had such a broken relationship with my earthly father that when I would hear father for so long, I would just see a vision of a father that was distant and cold and wounded. And I would see rules upon rules upon rules that I was never equipped or given guidance or encouragement to even learn how to follow. And it seemed to me like the gospel was kind of this evil trick where you get saved into bondage. And then you read things that like we're bond servants to Christ. And I'm like, see, look, slavery. But that's not the way it works at all. When you get a revelation of the true father, it restores your relationship with the father. And that's the whole reason that Christ came and lived and died was to restore sons to their fathers. So we could cry out, Abba, father, daddy, I need you. I don't know how to do this help me through this. And he's like, you got it. Not only do you have my authority, but you also have my power. Here's my spirit. Not only am I going to show you, but I'm going to empower you. You don't have to live, do this alone. I want you to live fully free because whom the sun sets free is free indeed. All right. So in the couple of minutes we have left, I'm just going to share with you a couple of quick practical ways to apply this. Step one, know the truth. The Bible says, John 8, 32, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall. If you don't know the truth, you're not going to be made free. Romans 12, 12, 2, do not be conformed by the world, but be transformed by a renewing of your mind. If you are still stuck that in the idea that I had that my ultimate authority was what I considered to make sense, you are going to have a hard time with this because the Bible is foolishness to those who don't believe. This isn't a believe it and then see. It's a we're going to give you some information that's going to lead to trying it out you are going to see the truth come true in your life and it's going to transform you. Pastor Becky mentioned Joshua leading the nation of Israel into the promised land. God said, bring them through the Jordan River. But it was flood season at the Jordan River. The Jordan River's waters were really high and they're like, we don't know about this. And he's like, just trust me. You know when he parted the river? When their foot touched the water. Yep, that's it wasn't like, okay, just get up to the edge and then I'm going to part it. He's like, no, step in. High priest, step in. Be willing to make yourself look stupid in front of everybody. Try this out and I will part it. And he parted it. And you know what he said then? Put a stone in the middle of this river that you will know that this is a monument to what I did for you. We need to test 
and see that God is actually good, but we need to know his word so we can start to apply his word with his spirit in relationship with him so we can start to live free. Amen? Amen. Okay, step two, believe the truth. Likewise also, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus said to the woman caught in adultery, go and sin no more, after he healed her and forgave her of her sins. He was saying, I've broken the chains of death and sin over your life. You don't have to be like that dog in a kennel that's worn all the grass down in this little circular area chained up to a pole. You're actually free to go and roam and live a full life. You don't have to be like the dog returning to his vomit. You don't have to be going back into shackles. You are free to go and sin no more. And I'm telling you that the process of actually believing that to the point where you test it and start to live in freedom is a process that happens in community. But bad company corrupts good character. You need to be around good people that are going to encourage you and pick you up when you fall and dust you off and continue to keep growing, knowing that God is faithful to complete every good work that he starts in us. Amen? All right, so step three is to live the truth by the power of the Spirit. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our weakness. Romans 8, 26. And last, connect in truth. It's not good for man to be alone. And let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I'm telling you, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for incredible spiritual mentorship and incredible community around me. I would not be able to live the way I do. I would not be able to give the way I do. Nothing that I would be able to do would be possible without that. We just got back from this incredible family vacation and I thought that I was disqualified from ever having a family because of how much I had sinned. I didn't think that I would ever be restored to a point where I could have a beautiful relationship and especially I didn't believe that I was qualified to be a, son, a father to a son. But God has had me on this journey and he has given me a beautiful wife and an incredible family. And I get to show up today because of the ones that have gone before me, like Pastor John and Pastor Jurgen, that have shown me how to be a good father to my son, Jack. I am so grateful that I get to live this life, but I'm even more grateful that I get to share this life with you guys. So can I have everybody bow their heads and close their eyes right now? I know there are some of you that know about Jesus, but don't know him personally, that when you pray, you feel like your prayers are hitting the ceiling, that they're not going up to heaven, that even in a room full of people, you feel alone. I want to invite you into the community of heaven today. And there's some of you that may have been Christian your whole life and have thought that it's, only, it's the, well, thank God I'm, I'm saved for eternity because limping through life, trying to overcome sin on my own power is as good as it's going to get for me. I wanna break that lie of the devil over your life right now and tell you that whom the sun sets free is free indeed.
So if you fall into either one of those two categories, at the count of three, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand so I can join you in a prayer and we're gonna have everybody in this room praying with you. But is there anybody like that in here? Right now, at the count of three, one, two, three. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. God bless you, 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 God bless you. God bless you over on the, my right. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you down in front. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Now, while every head is bowed and every eye is still closed, whether you raised your hand or not, if you're still wrestling with this truth in your heart, wondering, dare I believe? Dare I believe because I've been disappointed in the past. Dare I believe. I feel like there's a few of you in here that are feeling that way right now. And while every head is bowed and nobody is looking around except for me, would you also raise your hand so I can, so I can pray for you as well? Is there anybody? God bless you. 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 Praise God. While every head's still bowed and every eye's closed, join me in this prayer. Father God, I thank you that you are a good father who only gives his children good gifts. I thank you. While I was still a long way off, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, on a, mess, on a rescue mission to save my life. Jesus, thank you for giving yourself so that my relationship with God the Father could be healed. Holy Spirit, I ask you, fill my life. Give me power. Give me strength. Give me hope to do your will and let my life be an example to those you've intended for me to touch. In Jesus' name, amen? Amen. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already, and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.